everyone. This is Yvette Hampton. Welcome back to the Schoolhouse Rocked podcast. I am so excited that you're back with me today. We're talking with Bob Lapine about marriage. And if you've listened to Monday's episode and yesterday's episode, I'm certain that you have been encouraged. I know that I have been, and we're living in this world, like we talked about at the end of yesterday's episode, where the enemy of our souls is trying everything he can to destroy our families, to destroy our marriages, to destroy our kids. Um, And we need to not allow him to have a foothold. We need to work diligently to keep our marriages honoring to the Lord, to keep our families honoring to the Lord um, so that we can lead our kids to the cross, so that we can lead them to to Jesus, um, because he really is the only answer for all of this. You know, every one of us has difficulties in life, whether it's marriage, parenting, you know, uh, you, you talked, I think it was in episode one about, you know, money um, issues and in-law issues. I mean, there's always something. And so um, the enemy is going to do what he can to destroy us. But we've got God on our side. And as I've talked about before, we get to choose whose team we're going to be on. And so choose <laughs> team Jesus because, That's right. spoiler alert, Jesus wins in the end. So, And you know, that's, this is so important, Yvette, and I'm glad you brought it up because I, I remember hearing Dennis Rainey early on in our time together say that uh, most people think that marriage is going to be lived on a romantic balcony and yeah. we forget that it is lived for the most part in the middle of a spiritual battle. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, in Ephesians 6, the Bible tells us we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Our, our enemy, there is an enemy who wants to destroy yeah. our marriage and it's not your spouse. So we tend to think the problem in our marriage is our spouse, which is exactly what the enemy wants us to think, yeah. rather than us thinking the problem in our marriage is Satan. Yep. And and if together we could look and say, okay, you know what? We've got conflict. We've got things going on, but you're not my enemy. I'm not your enemy. So let's together figure out how together we can defeat the enemy who wants to destroy us. He wants us to be thinking it's one another. And to kind of forget that he's even in the picture, if yeah. we can come together and say, you know what, we're not going to let the enemy win here. We're going to together do spiritual battle against him. That's how marriages thrive. Do you want help managing your homeschool day on a day-to-day basis? BJU Press has a new homeschool hub that can dramatically simplify things for you. You'll be able to see your child's workload, document grades, modify schedules, and more. The BJU Press Homeschool Hub is the resource you need for painless planning and happy homeschooling. Visit BJUPressHomeschool.com to see how the hub can change your homeschooling. I'm sure you have probably read the book, um, Love and Respect by Dr. Emerson Egricks. Um, I know that's been out for, I want to say probably 17, 18 years. Yeah, a long there. time, right? Yeah, but that book was really, um, really had a huge effect in our marriage and was very beneficial to us. And I remember him talking in the book. Um, we actually, you know what? We watched the video series. Mm-hmm. They had a whole video course. And so we went through the video course. I don't know that I actually ever read the book, but I remember him saying, you have to understand exactly what you're saying, that your spouse most likely is not evil willed toward you. Right. They're right. not trying to destroy you. Just like you're not evil willed toward your spouse. You're not trying to destroy your spouse. And and it comes across that way. Oftentimes, you know, you're like, you're trying to offend me, aren't you? Because <laughs> if you're not clearly, you wouldn't be saying or doing the things that you're doing. And um, and that's not it at all. It's like you said, I mean, it's it's the enemy who's who's attacking our families. And so yeah. 
I, I read a book years ago, interviewed the author of a book called Bold Love. The author was Dan Allender. And Dan said, we have to we have to differentiate uh, in, a, in a marriage where um, where there's conflict. We have to differentiate. Are we married to what he called a garden variety sinner, just a normal sinner like everybody else? Mm-hmm. Are we married to somebody who's a fool? Because the Bible has that as a category, the fool mm-hmm. who says there is no God and, and right. pays no attention. Or are we married to an evil person? Mm-hmm. And he said, we we love each of those three people differently, but our love needs to be, we, we first need to do the diagnosis. Is your spouse an evil person? Are they a fool? Or are they just an average sinner just like you are? And the conflicts you have come because sinners sin. Yeah. Yeah. That's tough. Um, so, you know, at the end of yesterday's episode, I said, I want to talk about how we as Christian couples can really thrive in our marriages. Um, not just for ourselves, but for our kids as well. You know, they watch everything that we do. And I realize that, you know, with my girls, they're going to go into their marriage and they're going to act very much like I act as a wife because Mm -hmm. I am the model for them as a wife. And, and that's a scary and high calling for me as a mom, you know, more so than having sons, of course, who would be looking at my husband, but with having daughters, um, you know, that that's, it's, it's an important thing to me. I want my girls to go into their marriage, um, and have a successful marriage as, as successful as possible. And I want them to thrive. And my husband and I were talking the other day and I, I said, you know, I, I want us to thrive and, and we are, um, you know, again, I mean, all these years later, I, I wouldn't have said that the first 10, maybe 15 years of our marriage, and we've had our ups and downs. But um, but now, as we've grown in the Lord, especially, and I'm assuming that's going to be one of your answers, um, you know, we've learned really to thrive in our marriage um, in a yeah. lot of ways. And there's, of course, we always still have things that we are working through. Um, but how can you encourage us to not just survive? our marriages, but truly thrive in them. So I'll give you four markers that I think are the common markers of marriages that are thriving. And I'm, I'm going to take as, as a given what you just said, that both of us are committed to the Lord, that yeah. we're growing in the Lord, that this is what's important to us, uh, and, and that we really are pursuing Christ wholeheartedly. That's That's a given. With that in place, I think there are four things that marriages that are thriving have in common. And the, the, I'll give you the list of four, and then we can unpack them as we have time to do it. The okay. first is there is extravagant love expressed between the husband and the spouse, the, the, the wife in a marriage. So the love is not, it, we're not thrifty with it. We're not uh, chintzy with it. We are extravagant in how we express our love. I don't mean we spend a lot of money on it. I mean, we express it extravagantly. Second thing is we are generous with our forgiveness. Mm -hmm. We are quick to forgive and we are quick to overlook. Uh, Love covers a multitude of sins. It's a man's glory to overlook an offense. Some things we just let go and overlook. And then when we do have to confront, we're quick forgivers in a marriage. Third thing is uh, marriages are are filled with enthusiastic encouragement. We are cheerleaders for one another, and we express that on and on. We we are cheering one another on, and uh, the, the world's doing enough to to push us down. 
we should be able to look to one another as the one who's going to pull us back up and say, you can do this. You're doing great. And then the last thing is there are going to be common convictions that we have. Marriages that thrive or where husbands and wives have a core bedrock of common convictions that they can come back to and say, this is what we're building on. This is our foundation. And no matter what what else is happening, we keep coming back to these core convictions. I think those are the four things. If those are present in a marriage, Mm -hmm. it's pretty hard to see that marriage not thriving. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I definitely want to unpack those, but let's take a quick break before we do that. We'll be right back. Have you tried CTC math yet with your child? Here's a testimonial from another happy homeschool mom. Amber said, I'm absolutely thrilled with CTC math. It's a rare find that I've used with my children for more than five years now. I have six children using CTC math and each child has found it easy to navigate and very applicable. Thank you so much for all that you are doing and providing quality math lessons for my children. If you're looking for a great online math program, visit ctcmath.com. That's ctcmath.com. Apologia supports homeschool families with Christ-centered K-12 homeschool curriculum designed to engage your student as they experience the awe and wonder of creation and their creator. Designed by leading scholars with a biblical worldview, Apologia's award-winning curriculum is written in a conversational tone directly to the student to encourage independence. Hands-on activities and experiments help students solidify the concepts they're exploring and build a lifelong love of learning. Visit us at Apologia.com. We are back with Bob. Um, Okay, so you gave us four kind of pillars to a marriage that is thriving. And the first one you said is extravagant love. Let's unpack these one at a time. Yeah. Let me just say at, at the outset here, this is this is in a book that I've just written called Build a Stronger Marriage that is designed for there are 17 short chapters in this book. And, and my idea is that a husband and wife can get the book and go out on a date night and read three or four pages. And there are some questions at the end and you can start to uh, to self-diagnose and do some healthy work in your marriage. And so I, yeah. I talk about these these four characteristics and, and the characteristic of extravagant love is is really where we are committed to putting the other person's good ahead of our own our own needs, our own goals. I, I'm committed to you doing well. And when, when we talk about extravagant love, we're not talking about an emotion. We're talking about a demonstration Jesus said, greater love has no one than this. He lays down his life for his friend. We are regularly laying down our lives, our preferences for for each other, and we are demonstrating our commitment to one another uh, yeah. w- with faithfulness. And we were really helped by in, in this by Gary Chapman's book, The Five Love Languages, yeah. because I, I found early on that I was trying to express love to Marianne in a foreign language. I was trying <laughs> to express it through how I like to receive love. I was, I was using words of affirmation and physical touch. And she was going, where are the acts of service that Mm -hmm. I'm looking for? Right. Where's the quality time that I want. And so uh, understanding each other's love language can be helpful as we seek to express extravagant love toward one another. Yeah. Yeah. I love that book. That's probably um, the first book I would ever recommend to any married couple. I read that when we were first married and um, and it has been instrumental in our marriage as well. 
Well, I'll say too, I wrote, I wrote a book called Love Like You Mean It, where I took 1 Corinthians 13 and went verse by verse or character quality by character quality and said, okay. in a marriage, what does it look like for love to be kind, for love to be patient, for love not to be self-seeking and not to keep a record of wrongs, all of the things it talks about there. So if we want to know what extravagant love looks like, 1 Corinthians 13 gives us a, a great picture, and I unpack that in the book Love Like You Mean It. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I remember years ago, someone telling me to take first Corinthians 13 and put your name in front of love. You know, Yvette yeah. is patient. Yvette is kind. Yvette is, um, you know, yeah, we don't get very far before we go, forgive. whoops. Right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, it's true. I mean, once we look at ourselves and realize, okay, maybe I'm not loving like I should, um, but you take first Corinthians 13 and you take the five love languages, you figure out what your spouse's love language is. And it can literally change your whole world. You exactly. know, it, it can really change a marriage. So, okay. So the first one is extravagant love. The next one you said is generous with forgiveness. Generous forgiveness. Yeah. yeah. And, and this is where, the, you know, um, James says, let's be quick to listen, mm-hmm. um, slow to speak and slow to anger. Mm-hmm. And Ephesians 4 says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. Um, Christians are called to be uh, great forgivers. Billy Graham's wife, Ruth Graham, said, uh, a good marriage is the union of two great forgivers. We're going to offend one another. We're going to sin against one another in a marriage relationship. And when that happens, we have to decide when we've been sinned against, do I just let that go? Sometimes Mm -hmm. you do. Sometimes you just overlook a transgression. You pour grace on top of it and just let it go. Other times it's it's profound enough that you go, no, I'm going to have to confront that. And you go to your spouse and say, I, I believe you've wronged me. And there's a pattern for this, by the way, in Galatians chapter six, where it says, if you see a brother who is caught in a sin. So if your spouse is in a pattern, an habitual pattern of sinning and it's and you're on the other side of that and you're being you're being affected by that. You who are spiritual, which means you're going in with the right spiritual mindset you're going in having prayed about this, having studied the Bible about this. You're going in with a humble heart. You who are spiritual, go to restore the other person. So you're going not to attack, not to blame, not to get your pound of flesh. You're going to try to see your person, your, your spouse who is struggling with a sin get free from that. Yeah. You go and restore that person with a spirit of meekness. So that means when we're having this conversation, I have to have a spirit of meekness in the conversation. And then you have to be on guard that you too don't get tempted and get sideways on things. So we have to be good forgivers and we have to know how to, this is another thing I pack in build a stronger marriage. What does it look like to, to exhibit generous forgiveness toward one another? When's the right time to bring it up? When's the wrong time to bring it up? And how do you go about it when you, when you need to bring it up? Yeah. 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 Timing is important. That's for it sure. It is. Yeah. You know, on, on both sides, <laughs> you know, don't approach a difficult topic when they're tired um, <laughs> exactly, you know, or when I'm tired, I should say. Mm-hmm. So, um, okay. That's great. So the next one is an enthusiastic encouragement. Encouragement. Yeah. I, I, I just remember when I was in, in high school, I ran uh, cross country one year in high school. I was not very good at cross country. I was middle of the pack as a runner. Um, I would start off and I'd get about halfway around the track and I would just be dogging it and I would, I'd be slow. And yet when we'd come back near the starting line and the cheerleaders were there and they were going, come on, Bob, you can do it. 
I, I started to get a second wind and I started to, I picked up my pace and I, I ran a little harder and a little stronger just because somebody was cheering me on. Yeah. You, you think about professional football players. I don't know how much you watch professional football, but never, ever. <laughs> <laughs> Not so at all. <laughs> on, on a Sunday, these guys are out on the football field. They're being paid hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions of dollars to play yeah. this game. And there'll be a big play coming up and they will be lifting their arms up and telling the crowd, make noise, cheer for us. We'll play better. And I'm thinking, we're paying you a million dollars. Go, yeah. go give us your, but they just know when, when in your ear, you're hearing somebody cheer you on. Yeah. There's something you, you kick it into overdrive a little bit. And when we're doing that for one another, when we're saying to each other, I believe in you, you can do it. You're really good at this, man. You, you did an amazing job there. There's something about that affirmation that is so life-giving to the other yeah. person. The, the, the Bible says life and death are in the power of the tongue. Yeah. We have to ask ourselves, are we using our tongue to give life to somebody else? Or are we tearing somebody else down? Are we tearing yeah. our spouse down with our tongue? Yeah. So I think enthusiastic encouragement is very important. Yeah, yeah. And I think, I don't know, this is just from my observation. I think that women have a harder time doing that. And I feel like there's more scripture that talks about women tearing down their house than it there is about men tearing down their houses, uh, well, because and, and it's easy for us to to do that. Go back to what you talked about with Emerson Egrich and his book uh, Love and Respect. Mm -hmm. So a husband is longing for respect. Right. He he's desperate for his wife to say, "I respect you." The, right. the cheerleading is a part of how you say to your husband, I, I value you, I honor yeah. you, I respect you. His heart longs for that. And so I think there's a lot in the Bible about a wife tearing down because she's more naturally predisposed not to withhold respect sure. until you earn it, prove it to me, and then I'll show you respect. Yeah. That's a pretty high bar for a husband to have to, to try to clear. Yeah, yeah, almost impossible. So, yeah. yeah. Okay, and the last one is uh, have a common conviction. Yeah, and, and this is where I would say we've got to be in agreement on what matters most to us. Uh, marriages that don't thrive are often yeah. because what matters most to me is not what matters most to you. And so we're isolated. I'm pursuing one thing. You're pursuing something else. Mm -hmm. uh, we're not on the same page with these things. And of course, as, as Christians, what we should be pursuing is the heart of God. We should be pursuing uh, our, our understanding, getting to know the Lord, growing together in grace, um, our, our commitment to our local church, our commitment to being missional and reaching out to other people. Those are the common convictions. And in, in a marriage between two believers, when we're not seeing things eye to eye, we can say, okay, what do we think the Lord wants here? What does the Bible yeah. have to say about this? And it gives us a, a way to bring our marriage back to something other than just, I want this, well, I want that, and, and we're divided that way. So having common convictions, having something that we keep coming back to and saying, we're gonna build our marriage on this, marriages that thrive have that in common. Yeah, what about marriages that don't have common convictions? Because of course, that is often the case, you know, and often you have, mom who's a believer and dad who's not, or dad who's a believer and mom who's not. Right. And that, oh man, I mean, that taking that back to the parenting question, that can cause all kinds of conflict in a marriage because now you're on two completely different roads of life. So how do you, is, how do you work through those issues? Boy, it, it's so hard when, when we're in a situation where 
uh, we're unequally yoked, and it's why the Bible yeah. warns us against becoming unequally yoked. But when you're in a spiritually mismatched marriage, um, yeah. you're not coming to the same uh, source in terms of where we decide right and wrong or or our values or where we're going to go. This is where I would say in that situation, look for where you do have commonalities and agreement. Mm-hmm. There are going to be things that you can agree with. So uh, a believer and an unbeliever in general are going to believe that lying is wrong. We don't want our kids to lie. So let's find those things that we can build uh, our marriage on together. And at the same time, just be praying for God to change the heart of the spouse who's an unbeliever. And I've talked to people who have been at it for decades with an unbelieving spouse. uh, But I've also seen God change the hearts of those spouses over time uh, as as a wife or a husband just lives out faithfully in front of that other spouse. What? what it means to live for God. Yeah. 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 Great stuff. Well, we have just a couple minutes left. And in these last few minutes, I would love for you to just bring some encouragement first to the husband and then to the wife. If you're talking to a husband who's in a difficult marriage, what would you say to him? So I I would say, um, rather than being focused on what you can't control, which is your spouse's behavior, be focused on what God's called you to do. Mm-hmm. Go back to Ephesians chapter five and see where it says, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her and look for ways that you can be a sacrificial servant leader in your marriage and make that your focus. How can you demonstrate sacrificial uh, servant love for your spouse so that your mm-hmm. wife uh, she she is just confounded by the generous love that you're showing, the extravagant love that you're showing for her. And just ask God to give you the strength to do that. Do it as unto the Lord. Recognize yeah. that every time you're expressing love for your spouse, Jesus is pleased with that. Mm-hmm. He's honored by that. And find your joy in that. Yeah. And I like that you say do it unto the Lord, because if you're doing it just um, to get your wife's reaction, she may not react for the first, you know, I don't know, many Year, times. I, I'm actually years, thinking about the movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure you've probably seen the movie Fireproof. Yeah. Um, it, the Kendrick brothers put that out many years ago. Um, and that whole movie is about that exactly, you know, where he realizes that he's basically been a, a terrible husband and his wife hasn't been much better, but he just starts serving her. And she's like, what in the world are you doing? And she mm-hmm. really you know, she pushes him off and pushes him away for a long time. And then she finally realizes, oh, okay, there's something different about him uh, because the Lord was working in his heart. So, well, and if you're doing it for, for other reasons, you'll go, well, I tried that for two months and it didn't work. So I'm, I'm quitting on that. But if you say, no, I'm, I'm doing this forever because it's what Jesus wants me to do. And I know he's pleased, whether my wife's pleased or not, whether she responds the right way or not, Jesus is going way to go, Bob, do it again. Yep. So, yeah, that's right. Okay, um, bring some encouragement to to the the women, to the wives. What would you say to the wife who is, and I shouldn't say even who's in in a difficult marriage, who's just in a marriage? Yeah. Um, how do you how do you encourage us as wives? Well, again, I would say as a wife, make your focus on the only person you can change in the marriage, and that's you. And instead of being, I remember Elizabeth Elliot saying one time that um, if if you're wearing a white shirt and you've got 
an ink pen in the pocket and it leaks and there's a little purple spot down at the bottom of the the pocket where the the uh, ink has leaked said anybody who looks at that white shirt their eye is drawn immediately to that that spot on that shirt that purple spot she said now 99% of that shirt is white but we obsess over the little purple spot there because yeah. it stands out and she said a lot of wives today are obsessing over the little purple spot in their husband mm. rather than seeing in him what is good and honorable and making that their focus and affirming that yeah. uh, if you're if your goal is i've got to fix my husband and get get him perfect you're always going to be frustrated but if you're going to say i'm going to find what is is good philippians 4 8 what what is worth worthy and and honorable and i'm, I'm going to focus on that and i'm going to honor that and i'm going to trust god to work out the other stuff i think that's where your your focus as a wife not needs to be don't try to fix your husband but try to respect your husband for the things that are in him that are worthy of respect yeah i remember years ago I was doing a uh, Titus two Bible study and I remember, remember the lady, uh, Joanne Frank, who was teaching it. And she said, if the only good thing you can find about your husband is that he has nice knees, you tell him he has nice knees. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that's so right. Cause sometimes, you know, we're, we can be so angry with our husbands and so bitter towards them that we can't find anything good in them. And she said, if there's nothing else you can find, but his knees, you affirm his knees. She's right. Thought, yep. Right. Yep. Yep. Find something, find something. So, well, tell us again, uh, very quickly about your book. I know you've got a, a you've got a couple books. I actually didn't realize you had one called Love Like Love Like, Love you, like mean you Mean It. it. Love okay. Like You Mean It came out uh, in in twenty twenty. Okay. And then this year, the book, uh, or actually about, about four or five months ago now, uh, the book uh, Build a Stronger Marriage came out. Love Like You Mean It is two hundred pages looking at First Corinthians thirteen and what love looks like in a marriage relationship. Build a Stronger Marriage is 100 pages, and it's designed as kind of a mechanics guide for how you can go through and spot the trouble spots in a marriage and start to do a little adjusting and see if you can't patch up some of the things that need patching up in your marriage. Uh, good stuff. Well, we'll put links to both of those books in the show notes, as well as some of the other books that we mentioned this week. Thank you, Bob, so much for being on with us again, and just for the wisdom and encouragement that you have brought to us. I am so grateful for you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Always a joy to uh, to be with you and, and bless what you're doing. Yeah, thank you so much. And thank you guys so much for listening this week. We love you. If there's a way we can be praying for you, please send us an email at podcast at schoolhouserocked.com. We'll see you back here next week. Bye. What we do at IEW is break through the, the noise of the grammar and the writing prompts, and we say, this is what you do, step by step. And I've witnessed it over and over again, both watching Andrew teach and hearing from parents, this is the best writing program. We've made it so easy and made it really affordable. So any mom can teach writing to their children using our course, and we guarantee it. To try three weeks of free lessons, visit IEW.com.